Live and in color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California and in parallel from the Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to the Water Zone Show this evening. Hey, and a pleasant good afternoon and evening to everybody across the world. Welcome to the Water Zone. I'm Rob Starr, along with Mr. Chris, the amazing Mr. Chris Davey. And we are the hosts of the Water Zone, and I hope you all had a great week. I know it's been beautiful out here in Arizona. Uh, Chris, how's the weather back in California at your end? It's awesome, buddy. You know, I'm just going to tell you this, put this in juxtaposition for you. One month ago, we had a two and a quarter inches of rain in four hours in the afternoon, and I had Lake Claremont on my backyard, right? Two weeks <laughs> after that, we had 80 mile an hour winds, and I lost 36 feet of fence, and my uh, and my large storage shed out in back. And then this week, it's been 85, 88, and tomorrow's supposed to be 90 degrees here in California. What is happening? Well, wow, so you're warming it up for me to come there next week. It is gorgeous. Well, next week, when you when you come to Riverside next week, at the end of the week, uh, it'll be cold again. Oh. Well, I'll, I'll be prepared. Anyway, so anything new in our business? How's, how's irrigation world treating everybody? Are you talking to Chris Maven? No, you first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah Rob, I haven't been, been introduced uh, yet. I'm just a lurker. Yeah, I was gonna... Well, we might as well bring her on now because she's part of the. She's definitely a good, the best part of the show. Uh, the purveyor of Maven's notebook, ladies and gentlemen, and boys and girls, if you're listening, Miss Chris Austin. Welcome, Chris. Miss Austin, how are you? Hey, I'm doing okay. Yeah. And and uh, I can tell you, sitting up here in Chico, up in Butte County, in between the state's uh, two largest reservoirs, it was beautiful. And, uh-huh. You know, in terms of, I mean, it was up in the 80s. Actually, to tell you the truth, it's a little hot for me. But, uh, yeah, up in the 80s, uh, not a cloud in the sky, uh, no no clouds in sight, and, uh, you know, could have almost turned on the air conditioner today. Uh, well, I know in Southern California they have a gigantic fire out in Laguna. Uh, Chris, have you heard any more about that? I mean, they're going to probably use tons of water for that thing. Yeah, luckily they've got a pretty good water repository just right off the shore. It's called the Pacific right. Ocean. But, uh, <laughs> they got that fire pretty much out. It's under control. Uh, they got it out early this morning, just a few hours after sunrise. But uh, it burned I don't know, quite a few acres. I don't think there was any property damage. Oh, that's great. When I when I turned on the news this morning at 7, because we're an hour ahead of you, uh, it looked really horrid when, uh, you know, looking at all those beautiful homes, and then right above them, all those mountains were just on plane. So, uh, yeah. anyway. If you, saw the night, if you saw the nighttime view with all the flames showing, then that looked a little bit worse than it was. But luckily in the morning, the wind <laughs> laid down just a little bit right after sunrise, so they were able to get a handle on it quite quick with... Uh, Choppers and uh, fixed wings. Good. I'm glad everybody's safe and nobody got hurt and, and no no loss of property and that's great for everybody. Uh, you know these things are are terrible when they happen and uh, you know we don't want anybody getting hurt and it's just sad when you know you lose everything that you own if you get in a, a major fire and you know it's just devast- totally devastating. I can't even imagine what it's like. So, but anyway, let's uh, get on to the water business and, and see what's going on. Um, so I understand now that we're going through a winter heat wave, which is forecasted for California. Chris, tell us well, a little. 
Well, yeah, that's what we're talking about. 80 degrees, you know, and it's, it's February and it should be cold, not right? Yeah. We should. And, you know, I mean, this is this is really a problem because uh, these warm temperatures are up here in the, the mountains, too, and they're melting that snowpack away. And, yeah. you know, all that great, beautiful bombogenesis storm, you know, precipitation and snow, um, they gave us this big old snowpack is, you know, it's now down to less than average and no snow looking in the, the forecast. So, you know, here we go. <laughs> yeah. You know, but again, caveat. I heard, I heard in Beijing it, we're using artificial snow. Oh, yeah, you can see it at some of the venues. Uh, you know, there's just no snow on the hillside. Although apparently they they don't necessarily get a lot of a lot of snow usually. They get some, but not like feet and feet. But uh, but yeah, it's but I I do love the Olympics though, and I'm really enjoying watching them. Uh, but anyway, back. Yeah. Well, but you know, here to put the California twist on it, they they're. You know, they're talking about this lack of snow, and they studied Olympic cities, uh, you know, and if they'd be able to host in the future. And Squaw Valley, you know, host of the 1960 Olympics, I think, you know, is going to be not going to have enough snow to do it again, if they were to ever do it there again. How about, sure Lake, they would. How about Lake Placid, New York? Uh, you know, I didn't look at that one, uh, but... You know, the, the East actually has seems to be doing very well in precipitation, yep. <laughs> perhaps too well. Uh, well <clears throat> but it's we, very, we very like, dry out West. We like the snow because our company can sell lots of snowblowers <laughs> and snowplows, so we're happy about that. But I heard this. The snowpack here uh, went from 202% down to like 92% just in the last month. That's well, yeah, that's called... Lack of precipitation, you know, yeah. um, nothing comes along, and warm temperatures. Yeah. Uh, now, we're very, very lucky that, you know, we didn't get all that snowpack and then get a heat wave right after it because uh, that did happen back not, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, had this huge uh, snowpack, and then the next, you know, within two or three days, they had a heat wave, and it caused just massive flooding in you know in like reno and uh, on the eastern in the eastern sierra and i think it was challenging in the sacramento basin as well they're very levied cities so i hear i hear that metropolitan water of la is looking at buying a bunch of property uh to get a couple hundred thousand acres of uh, of water uh, i i Property. I think they're trying to transfer water. Well, yeah, uh, the, the, it's up in the Sacramento Valley. By the yeah, by the, the rice the, the rice farmers. Yeah. yeah. How do you think that's gonna? Yeah. Is it, that that'll help MWD? But what about up north? What's that gonna? What's that gonna do up there in Sacramento? Well, you know, metropolitan is uh, looks to transfer water in dry years. That's nothing new. Um, they're very active. Um, I think people get uh, get very concerned over water transfers 
um, for for a number of reasons. One of them is, you know, sometimes they'll make a deal with the farmer, and the farmer will say, okay, I have this surface water. I'll sell you my surface water, and I'm going to go and pump groundwater instead. But <laughs> if you understand, you know, hydrogeology, uh, that groundwater was on its way to the river, and so it wasn't like two separate sources, right? It was really one and the same. And so he just sold off one bunch, you know, and, and made a whole bunch of money. But uh, water that, you know, he he didn't really have a right to sell, some people would argue. And, you know, so it, there's a big push to make sure that when they do these transfers that the farmers are actually not planting crops not doing things, um, you know, so that there's actual water being transferred. But, uh, yeah, the Southern California uh, doesn't have enough local water uh, to meet its needs. And when it's dry, you know, it's, uh, it's a problem and they have to go out on the market. Although, you know, they also have a lot of water in storage. They have a lot of water and groundwater storage and they have Diamond Valley Lake. So Southern California is not going to dry up soon. But I think they're being prudent because they want, you know, who knows how long this drought is going to last and you don't want to, you know, use up everything uh, yeah. to, you know, to get through the year. Um, but, you know, so they're they're being prudent. But, no, they're not a, not a favorite thing, water transfers to Southern California from Northern California, folks aren't too keen on those, but it happens, you know. Yeah. Well, they I, they I, do Chris, a lot me, of deals. Yeah. Huh? Let me comment on this because I know I know you said it's prudent. It's not prudent rather to do that, but hey, what happened? Maybe you can answer this this question, uh, question Chris. What happened? Whatever happened to Proposition One? You remember that back I don't know seven eight years ago, 2014, I think. Right, the uh -huh. Water oh, Quality yeah. Supply and Infrastructure uh -huh. Improvement Act. It's been seven years, and what did squat has happened, really, essentially, right? Well, it, the money has gone out into these very different pots um, and used in some ways. And, you know, when the government gets, uh, when voters approve a bond, they don't uh, disperse that money the next, you know, all the next year. First, they have to, you know, they have to set up the guidelines and stuff, and then they generally stage it out. And so, actually, there is still Prop One money going out the door, uh, you know, right. especially right. in terms of ecosystem and stuff like that. Um, there's been a lot of smaller pro projects that have gone in, and a lot of recycled water stuff has happened. But I think the ones that people are concerned most about are the water storage projects. And uh, there's a lot of people that feel that the California Water Commission, which is the agency in, you know, in charge of dispersing that money, you know, that they're dragging their heels, that they're not moving fast enough. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, that's not really the case. There were actually some uh, that, you know, water storage is such a controversial subject and it's controversial in the legislature and 
you know, the the Republicans want to build water storage and the Democrats want environmental protection, you know, in speaking in broad brush terms. So they sat down and they hammered something out. And it, it was a very complex something that they hammered out. Um, you could only pay, <clears throat> the, the bond funds could only be used for the public benefits of the project because, you know, there's a lot of people that feel that the government builds irrigation projects that, you know, for people that they make a lot of money off of, you know, and, no, and the government doesn't really pay, should, shouldn't really be paying to make other people rich in, in, in a sense. So <clears throat> so there's people that, that feel that way. Um, and so they said, okay, you can you, you can only pay for you know these public benefits, and water supply is not one of those because water supply is something you would sell. So it's ecosystem uh, stuff, and they put in a whole bunch of requirements and dates and stuff. So it's a very complex program that the legislature handed the California Water Commission, and they're actually on time compared to the legislative deadlines that they've been given. And the other thing is that, that you have to remember is that water storage projects, like building a dam, I mean, you, you just don't, like, look at a yeah. place in the landscape and say, build it there, and then, you know, instantly it happens. You have to figure out how you're going to dam it up. It has to be engineered. Um, you, you have to figure out how your trucks are going to bring the material there, where's the material coming from. I mean, there's just a, a whole lot of work that goes in, and it doesn't happen overnight. It, it doesn't. It generally takes, I think, at least five years to get to that point where you know what you're doing. You, you, there's, you, know, you have to study the geology. I mean, it's sure. – and, and, and so these projects, you know, have, are – Still, in a lot of ways, trying to get their, uh, you know, try to figure out the engineering. And you're seeing some of the fruits of that, so to speak, because one of those storage projects, the Pacheco Dam, you know, they're now, they, they were awarded money back a few years ago. And as they're going through their, you know, feasibility studies, they've they discovered an earthquake fault in the area that doubled the cost of the dam. That's the kind of thing that, you know, you have to – that's why you don't move too fast because you wouldn't want to build a dam that couldn't withstand an earthquake if it was built across a, a fault. In the Bay Area, we're talking. So, you know, yeah. so, it, I mean, it, it just takes time. But I know that it's hard for folks to understand that. And some of these projects, uh, the groundwater projects, I think, are uh, coming along and will be online sooner than the dams, the big storage ones. Um, and we'll have to see what happens with uh, two of these dams. Well, one of the the Pacheco Dam, the one I just mentioned, is in the Bay Area. That one doubled to two billion, and that would serve San Jose, Santa Clara Valley. And at right now. The Santa Clara Valley's other big local uh, storage place, Anderson Dam, has been drawn down to like 10% because they're having to do earthquake 
remediation on that dam. And as they were doing this earthquake remediation and they did some further geology and what do you know, there's another earthquake fault there and that dam also increased another billion dollars, literally. So, I mean, we're <laughs> the Santa Clara Valley has some, uh, you know, the new storage is, is going to be really expensive for them. Uh, and there's just uh, they do have groundwater there in in Santa Clara and you know in San Jose. It's actually very well managed, but it's not going to be enough to sustain them without these you know these dams. So it's it's going to be some hard times on, in the East Bay, I believe, for a while. And we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, there are people that are objecting to the Pacheco Dam project based on its cost, so the Santa Clara Valley Water Agency will be hearing from disgruntled people about who don't want to pay that kind of money. And Anderson Dam, their existing dam that's going under earthquake retrofit, you know, that's an existing facility that needs to be repaired. So that one, that project will go forward, but we'll see. Well, I understand it's a complex, I understand it's a complex issue, and there's a lot of other stuff going, but there you know the our statutory requirements to prop one that were that were coming out but just as a tangent for that let's let's talk about this for a second what's the latest on on the plan to put solar panels all over the california aqueduct oh well actually it's not the california aqueduct but uh they're going to start they're doing a pilot project in turlock because there were several studies that came out and said you know that there would be great benefits for putting solar panels over the top of the aqueduct. Not only do you get energy, but you also get, you know, less evaporation, theoretically. But before you go and, you know, line or, or cover, you know, a 444-mile aqueduct, you kind of need to see, you know, how, how this works, you know, on the ground. So the Department of Water Resources has given a grant to the Turlock Irrigation District, which is over... Um, I think it's by Modesto, um, that area on the eastern side of the San Joaquin Valley, and they've they've given them a grant to try it try it out to put some solar panels over these uh, these canals, and we'll see. You know, there there are things that uh, you know sometimes people in academia come up with and they're great ideas, but they don't really work out on the ground. But uh, but then there are times when this you know if, if it works it could be a really really cool thing so it'll be uh, fun to see what happens as they work on this project yeah and if it cool. works out well I imagine they would expand it yeah kind of like along are, the are lines there? of those shade balls remember those Chris oh the shade balls yes <laughs> oh the shade balls yeah I remember the last drought yeah. Oh, boy, they, LADWP took some heat for that, people thinking that they were putting that on for the drought, but they weren't putting it on for the drought at all. That was, you know, they were responding to the requirement to cover their reservoirs. And they had a lot of open-air reservoirs. Uh, and, and they're actually, I, I do believe um, that they have retrofitted, I think they're, they're, they have plans to get everything into new reservoirs that are covered, 
and I kind of think they might have kind of completed that. But, yeah, the shade balls were certainly <laughs> interesting, and, yeah. <laughs> Are there any, Chris, did you know? I mean, we had one dam that had some damage a while back. Is there any other dams that are that that are in need of fixing and or, or retrofitting because of the earthquake stuff in California? Oh, well, um, I'm I'm not you know I'm I'm not sure uh, exactly, but I I think that those that the larger dams that are maintained like by the feds in the state are are in good shape. And because you know there's money and they keep these things in good condition, the the larger concern really is that there are like 1,200 dams in California. <laughs> a lot of them are these small, and you may not even realize they're there. Uh, they're owned in some cases. They've been there for a hundred years, and nobody knows uh, who owns them. You couldn't, you know. <laughs> And there's certainly no money to take them out, uh, and they, uh, they, you know, in all kinds of disrepair. So yeah, it's actually the smaller dams that are, you know, the smaller unmaintained dams that are the real concern. Ah, well, that's uh, that's. I don't know. I always like to see studies that are telling me what's what with that. I'm gonna I'm gonna let Chris finish up with the questions and, and go to commercial in a few minutes. I, I our guest is other guest is having a difficulty calling in, so um, uh, let me uh, get her on the line. Chris, would you continue with Chris, and I'll be back in a moment. Yeah, Rob. Rob, listen, buddy, it's okay, no problem. Debbie, I'm with us. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> yep, it's all solved, buddy. All solved while you guys were talking about solar panels. Oh, okay, great. There you go. <laughs> Sorry about that. All right. All right. Well, we'll 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 continue with uh, 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 Chris on on the thing. Hey, uh, what, what's this thing about the dry farming they're starting to do? It's kind of old technology back in uh, back in the day, and I guess they're all trying to save water with this thing. Well, there are the, there are those people and you know farmers in the state of, in the state here that are really committed to doing things in a different way. They're generally organic farmers. Um, and so, yeah, there there was a story, you know, in the Capitol Press about a farmer in Petaluma that does dry farming. And he uses all sorts of um, techniques like uh, adding things to the soil uh, that help uh, retain the moisture and some tilling and stuff. Uh, and you know he's able to get you know good results. It's kind of, there. I know that they do this a lot with um, with apples and with wine grapes in some areas. But you have to know what you're doing. Uh, but I do think it's possible. I don't know if, if you know how workable it would be on a large scale uh, in terms I guess of using, you know. I guess they, I guess they're using this plastic uh, irrigation tape with spacings every eight inches. I believe. Is what they use, but they're also switching the crops. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, and and using very precision irrigation, you know, like you say on that eight-inch tape to deliver it just to the the um, uh, the plant, just no more than what it needs. So it, it's interesting. I don't know how I could make that work in my backyard. I'm sure there's probably a way, but I don't know. 
Yeah, I bet you can, Chris. You've got your own winery back there, I understand. Oh no, I, I in the new house. No, we don't. Uh, we we're kind of you know we're kind of checking out what it's going to be. We have an area with a uh, you know gets a lot of sun, so. I've been talking to people on next door about what vegetables they grow around here. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Well, uh, uh, Chris, you got to admit, grapes come from plants, and uh, and so and it's a fruit. So you've got plants and a fruit. So technically, wine is a salad. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and you can even make the dressing. That's right. <laughs> All right, lead us. Uh, are we at the bottom of the hour here, uh, Rob? So yep. uh, lead us out, buddy. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for the intro, buddy. Let's go through those uh, silly introductions and, and 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 problems that we have here with dogs barking <laughs> and people calling it. It's been a crazy night. I guess there's a full moon out, so I don't I don't know what to expect. Anyway, Chris, thank you very much for joining us as you do every single week and providing us with the great California water news. And for all our listeners, please go to www.mavensnotebook.com, become a subscriber, and if you wish, be a sponsor. It's a great way to get the latest in news in California and other places, but you get it every single morning on your PC or your Macintosh, and uh, it's, a, it's a great way to go. So, uh, Chris, thank you again, and we will be with you next week. All right. Good evening, everyone. Have a great week, Chris. All right, we're going to take a little break for our commercials, and uh, we'll be back with our featured guest, uh, a nice person that we know for a long time, and uh, she's uh, pretty up there. We call her a wow woman, and that's a woman of uh, water, and uh, so we're, we're going to be happy to introduce her on the show. So stick around. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. This is 1050 AM KCAA Loma Linda and 106.5 FM Yucaipa. Time to take a water break and talk some water. Irrigation. Such a refreshing topic. As more and more markets face water restrictions, your customers may be hungry or, should I say, thirsty for water-saving products. For new installations, add options like drip irrigation, controllers that respond to weather data, pressure-regulating heads, or heads with check valves. They all provide easy ways to differentiate your bids and win more jobs. Or for an extra stream of revenue, offer existing customers upgrades like high-efficiency nozzles, rotary nozzles, or Wi-Fi-based controllers. Because when you help your customers save water, you make a world of difference for the Earth and your bottom line at the same time. We'll drink to that. If you knew there was a pipe cement that works better than the one you're currently using, is better for you and the environment, and costs the same or less, would you buy it? Oh, well, no-brainer, right? Weldon, the trusted leader in solvent cements for over 60 years, is pleased to introduce a new line of solvent cements that does all that. Introducing the Eco-Series line of solvent cements for PVC piping systems. Not only does it work great and set fast, it also has 30% lower solvent emissions and less smelly fumes, a better workplace environment when you're installing pipes. But don't just take our word for it. EcoSeries products are the only solvent cements that are Green Seal certified for environmental innovation for effective performance, improved working conditions, and for use with potable water. 
Now available in a medium-bodied, fast-setting blue formula, 905 Eco, and a regular-bodied, fast-setting clear formula, 900 Eco. Pick up a can today from your local distributor and see, smell, and feel the difference, just like Joe Sweat, president of Sunrise Irrigation, did. He said, after using Weldon's 905 Eco, we immediately noticed the application was smooth and there was noticeably less odor than other blue solvent cements on the market. The guys love it. To learn more about eco-solvent cements from Weldon, visit the website at www.weldon.com or call the technical service hotline at 877-477-8327. That's 877-477-8327. K-C-A-A. All right, so welcome back to the second half of the Water Zone with Chris and Rob, and hope everybody's having a great evening and had a great week, and hopefully you're having a nice coming up weekend. And uh, but we're very honored to have a special guest on tonight. We've known this uh, wonderful person for many, many years, even though she's pretty young. Uh, but she's a great person, knows her stuff, and that's why we wanted her on. Her name is Debbie Fagoni, and she is the Water Conservation Administrator for the city of Beverly Hills. So welcome, Debbie. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate that nice welcoming. <laughs> Sorry that we uh, couldn't get you. We had difficulty calling into the show, and I, I was scrambling to find your car to call you back and get it up. But I'm glad Chris uh, picked it up and, and grabbed it and uh, made it all happen. So we appreciate you being on the show today. My so, pleasure. I'm excited. Good. So are we. One of the things that uh, Chris and I always do, uh, just so we kind of understand how you got in this business. So. How and when did you get interested in the water industry? I know you love it, but what made you what I, made you do it? <laughs> okay. So I mean, I was kind of born an environmentalist. I didn't even know that everybody didn't feel the way I did about the environment, about not wasting anything. So initially I worked in solid waste, worked on recycling programs, taught composting classes. And then a couple decades ago I saw what people were doing to their yards and the waste. And I, I don't even judge about what you plant, but I do judge on how you water it. And so I just thought, this is where I can really make a difference. And um, I knew a little. I learned a lot more. And so I've been doing it for a couple of decades, and it's incredibly rewarding. While I loved working in solid waste, I love, love, love working in water. It's more fluid. It's <laughs> <laughs> very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I'll let you give her some questions. <laughs> All right. I appreciate it, Rob. So I'll tell you, um, uh, Debbie, welcome to the show for sure. I haven't known you as long as Rob has, and I know that the two of you go back a long, long ways. But let me echo what you said you about, you know, kind of born into this, born into the conservation thing. So I've, I've gone through my entire career, 40-plus years of it, thinking the same, right? I think that everybody in the world has the same uh, insight, the same thought process, the same passion and conviction to the water industry as I do. So <laughs> when I finally discover that that's not true for every single you know walk and soul on the on the face of the planet, it, it gives me an opportunity to guess what teach them. So that's uh, that's how I've seen it happen for me. I can relate a hundred percent. All right, so let's go into, let's talk about the crux of the issue here in Beverly Hills and all that stuff, and that's, 
assess conservation. So whenever we have a water agency on, we, we, we always kind of hit off and say, um, you know, the couple of core questions. So this is a two-part question. The first is, how does the city of Beverly Hills, how do you go to market, if you will, quote unquote, market your conservation programs? And did it take you a while to get there? Or was, was it, was it, is it something that all of your uh, constituents just adapted right off the bat? Great question. Uh, I had worked in the Inland Empire for oh, over a decade and um, then moved out towards the Pasadena area working there. When I heard about this job and applied for it and was offered it, I had second thoughts. And I said to the gentleman that offered me the job, I don't know if I want to do it because I love where I'm at and I get to make a, di a big difference. And he said, come to Beverly Hills. I promise you're going to love the customers. And I said, really? And he said, absolutely. There wasn't much of a program at the time. This was six years ago. And they said to me, you know, this is what we have. Do what you need to. So Beverly Hills has AMI, automated meter infrastructure. So I know how much water everybody's using every hour. And I use this information to help guide people to do the best they can. And let me tell you, this gentleman that offered me the job wasn't wrong. I love my customers, the people that live here, the people that rent here, the people that work here. They all are really, uh, they want to do the right thing. And you might say, and I've heard this a lot, oh, they don't care. They have a lot of money. That's not true. And one thing, Chris, like you're saying is I, I am passionate beyond belief and it kind of oozes out of me. So when I go to work with somebody, and because of my AMI, I know if they have a continuous water flow issue. I know if they're irrigating more than they should. And when I call them and say, hey, you know, I'm here to help you, 99% of them are so great to work with and so grateful for the information I have and the knowledge I provide and the guidance I give that they fix their problems that they didn't necessarily know about right away. Wow. So you, yeah, you, it's pretty. It's pretty exciting. So you, you and I know each other for many years, but I got, I got to ask you yeah. this question. I know, I know you're a very honest person. So, was that the real yeah. reason you went there, or because they have great shopping there? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, here's my <laughs> joke. Here's my hysterical joke about about working here. I have a family member who is very wealthy, and she'll come out here and she'll be like, "I went shopping at, you know, what so and so," and I'm like, "Ah." Oh! I went there, too, for a leak. And she'll say, I went to this fancy restaurant in Beverly Hills. I'm like, I went there, too, for a leak. So I do go all over the place, but I go for a leak. And to be honest, I'd rather go there for a leak because I get to go there. I get to help the people. They, the people feel really good about fixing their problems, saving water, saving money. You know, they're grateful to me. I have people that when I'm finished working with them, they're like, I love you. And I'm like, I love you, too. So who wouldn't, who wouldn't love doing that? And, no. you know, the fact that we do have um, AMI here, this automated meter infrastructure, makes my job so much easier to do. Because a lot of people um, in other cities might get a high bill and they'll say, you know, the water provider's wrong. And, you know, but I know for a fact, if you've got a running toilet, I can see it in the data. And believe it or not, one running toilet can run up to 200 gallons an hour. That's enough water to fill a pool in four days. Yeah. So I am, and I never thought that I'd be the biggest, you know, keep an eye on your toilet pusher because it's not sexy. 
whereas plants, plants are, you know, talking about plants is pretty fun. But um, leaks, when it comes to issues, folks are the number one cause. Well, I, I know keeping on the uh, AMI portion, just a, a quick question here. Um, the, is that information or can can your can your customers access anything on an internet or a website so they can actually see what, what's going on as you do? Absolutely. So our customers can sign up on our customer portal. It's free. They then can set alerts. So they, I look at what's their, their average. Because, you know, not all homes are use the same amount of water. You might have a bigger yard, and, you know, we're going to get into irrigation soon, I am sure. You may have more people in the house. It may be a hotel, maybe a restaurant. So the alerts for an average amount of use for a day are set different depending on the customer. And then the leak or the continuous flow is set at zero. So if somebody has a continuous flow issue in their house, whether it be a toilet, a pipe, a stuck valve, they'll get an alert, or if they use more on a certain day, they'll get an alert. And so now they know what's going on. A lot of people, the second they get the alert, they look around their house or their restaurant or their hotel, they find it and fix it. But a lot of people also call me. Well, I promise, Debbie, we will get to irrigation in a little bit. But let me ask you a question about, uh, you know, back on your, on the, you know, how does Beverly Hills go to market with their conversation? And you, you said a little bit about about what you do for outreach and, you know, try to get to those folks and provide them with, with uh, data that they can act on, act on. Do you have other programs, you know, outreach education programs that the city provides or offers their constituents? We do, yes. And by the way, um, we just declared a drought uh, at our city council meeting on February 8th. So now we're going to be um, kind of amping it up a little bit more. But we do reach out to schools. We provide information to them. Uh, fifth graders, the, those teachers are really interested in having me come and present to their really fun classes every year. In addition, I teach classes to our residents. I do training to our landscapers. And these are some of the top companies out there that are, you know, they're very knowledgeable about keeping a landscape beautiful, but I go and educate them on irrigation. Uh, in addition, you know, we've got a website that's really informative, and then we've got social media, newsletter, and then I send out emails. Everyone that signed up for our customer portal, I also send out informational emails to them on a regular basis. And finally, we've got flyers that talk about what I consider to be the most important thing. So the first is caring for your lawn. I don't, like I said, I don't judge. If you want to have lawn, that's fine. At least water it wisely. Uh, a saying that I heard years ago that I love is if you don't want a water-wise landscape, at least water it wisely. So if you're going to have lawn, I've got tips on how to water it efficiently. If you've got trees, we need to save our trees. How do you water them efficiently? got a flyer on finding a leak, reading your meter, and I even have a fabulous sheet that provides information on a watering schedule, a really logical watering schedule. So let me ask a question. Let me, let me ask a question about that then. On the watering schedule, do you have set watering schedules for residents? And uh, I mean, you know, I, I guess when I think of Beverly Hills, yep. right, and probably in the mindsets of most people, 
first thing that comes to mind is these huge, giant, lush, green landscapes that are that are in these high-end homes uh, uh, out there. How do, how do you manage that? Okay. Well, yes, we do have watering restrictions. This We are in our water conservation stage C this time of year. Depending on where you live in town, you can only water two days a week. It's either Monday, Friday, or Tuesday, Saturday. We recommend approximately eight minutes per station for pop-up, 15 to 20 minutes per drip. But what, what's always the answer when it comes to irrigation? How much should I water? It depends. So I will provide more detailed information for our customers. And let me tell you something that I've learned with AMI and knowing exactly how much different properties use. You can't judge a lawn by the water it uses because I've seen really green, gorgeous lawns that are actually pretty efficient water users. And I've seen homes that use a tiny irrigation and their landscape looks terrible. Yeah. You all know that. Oh, yeah. So um, we are... Mm -hmm. No, I was going to say, it's, it's you know, when you have those situations, it could be a lot of things. It could be uh, the type of grass that their turf that they're using or trying to grow. It's, it could also be an inefficient irrigation system. Uh, they could have, uh, oh, yeah. you know, broken pipes, all, all kinds of, you know, uh, the, maybe the pop-ups are not uh, put in the right places and, you know, things like that. So, so yeah, we see that a lot in the, in the industry. There's a, there's a lot of issues that can cause a turf to look bad. So uh, exactly. I, I agree with you on that. So what are some of the special projects I know you created and work on all the time? Because I know you're so passionate about it. I love I love your energy. Thank you. Yeah, I'm. I think that my passion helps me succeed, um, and it's it's genuine. I love what I do, and I love my customers. So I think the number one thing that I do is I do provide a lot of individual attention, and yeah, that's really overwhelming. Um, and yes, I do work twenty four seven, but that's how I get to make a difference. And um, it's kind of like the train the trainer. So I go out and I will work with different gardeners, landscapers, whoever it might be, FaceTime. I love, I do site audits. I've probably, I've probably over the years done, you know, three, 4,000 site audits. I've programmed, you know, 1,500 controllers over the years. And then I teach people how to set their own controller. I teach people, and, and I'm sure you guys have seen this too, when I go to a home, I'm like, uh, so where's your irrigation controller? And they bring you to their outdoor lighting box. <laughs> they bring you to their, their gas, you know, where their gas is. You know, they bring you all places. I'm like, yeah, no, that's not it. <laughs> Until we finally get to the controller. So that's one thing I do. And then um, the, there, there's three things that I ask people to do. One is to sign up for our water tracking program so you'll know if there's a problem. Second, keep an eye and in ear out for leaks, especially those toilets. And the third is to set your irrigation controller properly. We have a new campaign which focuses on those three things. But there's another message that I created um, that at first, I can't say everybody here was that excited about, but I'm like, you have to do it. So I'm taking a shower one day and I had this epiphany. That shower head, and we're all saying, take shorter showers. But that shower head is using the same amount of water as a sprinkler head, the gallons per minute. So when we say take a shorter shower, I'm like, hey, wait a minute. We've got larger properties here. Let's really focus on efficient irrigation. Let's make sure that head is working, it's functioning well, it's spraying where it should, which means 
the the plant, not the sidewalk or cement, because no matter how much you water it, it's not going to grow. And then let's make sure you're watering not often, but deep. And so that's where I focus my attention, and that's where I have huge success. That's that's awesome. So, you know, we, we have fun talking with you all the time, but we want to get really serious now with you and ask you two questions. How do you see the future of water for Beverly Hills and the state of California? Uh, well, we've done, in Beverly Hills, we've done a good job conserving over the years. Um, you know, development's growing everywhere. I heard you, you know, I've heard you, your show talk about development and um needing more water because there's more building, more people moving in. And we've stayed at the same conservation level consistently, even with more development here. So I think we're going to um, get a little bit more strict here. And we're blessed because we um, have groundwater here that we are opening up a plant and we'll be um, making some of our own water, so to speak. We are a Metropolitan Water District member, and they are incredibly reliable, so we're grateful for that. But if you look at the big picture, you know, we all share this water, and I think it's kind of scary. You know, my I'm a major environmentalist. It's my degree. It's my passion. It's who I am, and I get a little worried sometimes. December was incredibly wet, and it was so exciting. You know, it's kind of like gambling. It's like, wow, look how great that is. And then, uh-oh, don't get too excited because we had such a dry January. We're having a dry February. It's really hot out. What's going to happen to our snowpack? So I'm actually very, very nervous. I'm concerned. What about you guys? What do you think? Yeah, I think most cities are. I can't say that there's, you know, that there's guests that we haven't had on the show that don't, that don't you know, kind of already sounding the alarm bells, if you will, right? I mean, some have more, uh, yeah, fervency towards it than you do. And and by the way, I'm going to tell every listener on here that uh, that, uh, that I said before, I don't know as long, you as long as I've known Rob, but uh, on the times that we've met, I can certainly vouch for your passion and for the fact that you exude this out. I mean, anybody, guys, if you're listening here and you get a chance at one of the trade shows uh, uh, that, that Debbie's known to go to, Find her, seek her out, and talk to her because she's uh, just a wonderful person. So let me just par parlay off of that, and I'm going to ask you about about state programs and other regional programs. EPA Water Sense, for example, the new mm -hmm. um, uh, the new California Energy Commission uh, ordinances for um, pressure regulated spray heads, that kind of stuff. How do they work into your programs, or do they, or are you just starting to introduce them? Um, great question. First of all, I, I love, especially when it comes to any outdoor device, efficient irrigation in a city like ours that has larger lots is incredibly important. Um, so there's a little bit of a disconnect in our city, as in, in many cities, where I know a lot about irrigation, but I'm not doing the final inspections. We do have a great team that does the inspections, we make sure that it's third-party inspected. But if you don't have, so even if all that's done well, and we make sure that it is, if you don't have the people on site, um, whether it be your landscaper that installed it or your gardener afterwards that's overseeing it, uh, it may not work out well. I went to a home the other day 
So uh, on the side, I, I teach classes. I volunteer to teach a lot of classes because I want to get the message out. And I do side audits. And if people donate to a local charity, I'll do a free audit at their house. So I went to this woman's house in Hancock Park. Very nice house. She had drip irrigation, and there weren't pressure regulators on her valve. And there were so many, I don't want to say holes, I want to say like chunks taken out of her drip line. <laughs> and it had been that way for a long time. And she's like, why are my yeah. plants looking so terrible? But my water use is so high. That's, that's I do love all this new technology, but again, it needs to be maintained. Well, I, I've been to places too, and so has Chris, where we go out and they have a standard drip line that may be spacing, you know, it's a, it's a half inch pipe, and they're using, or hose, and, and they're 12 inches spacing. And, you know, they don't put, they, they don't pick the right, you know, you can get them in different in different hole spacings, you know, 12, 18, right. 24 inch. But but even that, if they put put it somewhere and there's there's they, they insert a, a bush or something in the middle of it, they say, oh, that's not going to get enough water. So they go out and buy some emitters and punch them in and stick them in there. So they just change they just change everything about how their product is made. Yeah. So there's a lot of people that just exactly. don't understand that. It, it, it happens a lot. Or, or the same when you put on rotors and, and spray heads on the same valve. You, you can't. One puts out twice as much water than the other. One area either is going to be really wet or one area is going to be really, really dry. People don't understand right. About, about about that that's that stuff but you're right it, and it cracks me up and i'd love to bring you guys with me so that because sometimes i see stuff and i'm like oh my gosh and you know the resident might be saying they're like what isn't this amazing and i'm like no i don't think so your gardener just put drip irrigation uh like point source on the same valve that he's got pop-ups <laughs> traditional pop-up on the same valve i'm like you're gonna keep blowing the heads off your drip and she's like really yeah, that's happened a bunch of times. I know. And so then when I explained it to her, she's like, wow, that makes sense. Why do you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so the Isn't more it, we can educate the people in the landscape industry, the better. Yeah, contract, not just contractors, but homeowners as well, Debbie. I mean, isn't it, it's just weird to me that over the years, I've just found that there's just this, this false interpretation out there that an irrigation system is one of the, you know, put it in and leave it, set it and forget it kind of thing. And, and, and it's not. And homeowners, you know, we get calls all the time and they'll say, well, I just, uh, you know, my sprinklers aren't working. They were working last week. Well, what did you do? Well, I added a whole new line to it. Well, did you put a valve in? No, I just tapped onto the one of the existing lines that were there. Right. I mean, just no, I stuff no like pressure. that happens all the time. <laughs> you so. know. So I always say, I teach a variety of classes, you know, irrigation, plants, prep and design, maintenance, composting. And, and I'd say irrigation, you don't get as many people to that because it's not as sexy. It's not as interesting, but it's the most important class. So when people come to my plants class, I always talk to irrigation because I tell them, if you want your plants to look good in the long run, you have to water them right. Not watering them two minutes every day, but watering twice a week longer get that water deep into the soil where there's less evaporation where the roots can grow nice and deep and not have to be watered often yeah yeah so, you know so oh, sorry rob i was just going to say that man there's just so many you know we're just getting started on irrigation there's so many things we can talk yeah. about like you know native plants and turf removal and stuff like that but rob i didn't mean to interrupt go ahead buddy oh no 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 no, no. i'm sorry because as our, as our audience knows we're we're all doing this remote we're not in the studio uh, we're still protecting ourselves from covid 
and touching other microphones that people touch all day long and put their mouth next to. So uh, Chris and I are doing the shows remote, and we're both at a different location. Chris is in California. I'm in Arizona. So uh, sometimes we step on each other, not not because we're trying to interrupt, but we can't look at each other. So we, uh, we work it that way. But one, one of the most important things, uh, you know, the governor called and wanted, wanted me to ask you if he appointed you czar of water. <laughs> What would be your top three priorities that you would go after? In one minute. <laughs> uh, safer, uh, safer transfer of, of water. I think it's great the way it is, but, I, you know, it's improvements that have to be economical. More water storage. But, again, it's got to be economical. You know, what? sometimes what people want is absolutely not cost-effective. And then, finally, is uh, less development and more awareness of actual water use. That's good, that's a good thing. You know what, I'm gonna throw something out to you and you can think about it, but I, I'm sure Chris would like what I'm gonna ask you. We would love to set up a, 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 a record, go out with you to a homeowner and just watch you do your thing and watch the customer react to what you give her or them and uh, then play it on the air and, and let everybody hear how you work because you are good at what you do. You do a great job. You okay. always do a great job. But you didn't bring the turtle from your last place to work. So I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> that was the mascot. That was the mascot have, of your old job. <laughs> I have worms in my office, though. I have oh. compost in my office right now. Um, yeah, let's see if we could set that up. That would be really fun because I'd love to show people how you can enroll, encourage, and educate. Yep. Well, Debbie, we, we sincerely appreciate you coming on the show today. I know you've been swamped and busy and uh, and all that, and, and uh, I, I just think you're a wonderful person for all the years I've known you, and and you're you're a good uh, a good representative of the uh, water industry, and uh, I'm, I'm very proud to be in that and know somebody like you. So, thank you again for being on our show. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Robin. Chris, it's my pleasure, and thank you for the good that you do out there. We try. So, <laughs> all right. Thanks, uh, Deb. Yeah, thanks, Deb. So, Chris, that was that was pretty awesome. She's a, she's a definitely, as you met her before, she's a definitely a passionate person, and, and she she walks the talk, and, and that's good. I like to see somebody like that, and she she never stops. She's got she's like the energizer energizer buddy. Energizer buddy, no doubt. Yeah, she keeps going and going and going and going. Yep. I'm glad we got her uh, calling in uh, fixed. And, and get those little issues out of the way. But uh, anyway, for our listeners, uh, we're going to be back next week. We're going to have a, uh, a representative from the Aqua Fria School District out here in Arizona, and they're turning all their schools into lead, and they want to increase the uh, level of efficiency of their irrigation systems for their existing, system, existing uh, high schools and 